This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining the conversation today. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. We have lots of things for you this episode, and well, we've been on a little bit of a planning break, so we are so excited to be back, not only talking to you, but Hannah, I'm excited that we are back talking together. We've been gone so long, the seasons have changed, because now we are officially in fall. Erin, it is so good to be back. I know that there are some weeks where we're busy and we get on and we think, oh, this is, oh, we got to do this. We need to do this. We squeeze it in. But I feel like it has been ages. It has been. Since <laughs> we've been together to talk about anything. And I am just so happy that we are back. Me too. Now, how many uh, pumpkin spice lattes have you had since we've talked last? Well, here's a confession. I don't drink pumpkin spice lattes. What? I don't. <laughs> What's with that? And when I go to like a um, coffee shop and there's just all these choices, uh-huh. I just look at the board and I'm like, hmm, I'll have, hmm, and I stand there and it's just too overwhelming. <laughs> so I always go for like just a plain cappuccino yep. or just even a latte or even Americano and I cannot handle the the number of choices that come at me each season. And so I just reject them all. You say because no I'm like, to all if, that. <laughs> what if I get it wrong? Well, you know, I have to say that my favorite fall drink when it comes to coffee shop drinks, we have a local roaster and they make all their own pumpkin syrup. So they boil down pumpkin and they put in honey and cinnamon. And I don't even know what else, but it tastes so good. And I'm not at this point, a real big, sweet coffee drinker. But I just have them put a little splash of this pumpkin syrup that they make into my cappuccino. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's just right. Because all that other pumpkin spice latte stuff that I hear about, I just really think it tastes like drinking melted candles. I just can't do it. Well, it's a bit sweet for me. Mm -hmm. Because I also like to have – I don't usually put sugar – in my hot drinks. Mm-hmm. So if I get something with syrup in it, that's like my dessert. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm kind of more like I want a black tea or a coffee with cream and a cookie. Yes, yes. So there needs to be I a baked good. So if I buy the good. pumpkin spice latte, then I can't get the cookie. Right. <laughs> because it's just too sweet. You got to make so s- I like, decisions. Yeah. I like the cookies better. So I go with the no sugar in the drink and lots of sugar 
in the pastry. I love this combo. Well, all you listeners out there, we are so glad that you are here back with us. I hope that you are having the drink of your choice as we dig into a new episode of Persuasion. We are glad to be back. And we weren't on break just dilly-dallying, just sitting around, twiddling our thumbs. We were doing purposeful things while we were on this basically a little mini sabbatical from Persuasion Recording. We were busy. We were doing some things, some exciting things. Right. We were thinking. We were. We were thinking lots of thoughts, and we were planning lots of plans. And today, we get to share those plans with you. We have some exciting things in tap on tap for you. Um, one of the things we want to dig into is how we go about recording and discussing topics on this show. Um, when we get together, our our conversations, they range all over right. the board. I mean, our topics are wide some, and far. Some may say, some may say random. They even. may. They may. But I prefer, <laughs> I prefer eclectic. I like that word better. Yeah, let's go Our with conversations that. are eclectic, which provide for, you know, interest each week. You know, it's something different with what are they going to say on persuasion this week? You know, we ask ourselves that mm. each week. What are we going to say <laughs> on persuasion this week? But one of the things that is a drawback of an eclectic approach is that we don't get to deep dive with anything. So we can have a really good episode on a topic, um, you know, like I can remember some really good ones about calling, vocation, um, or maybe even um, we talked about the death penalty debate one time. And I have these episodes that stand out in my mind and I'm always thinking, man, I wish we could have developed that. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's the difference between a series of individual blog posts versus maybe a larger thing like a book mm -hmm. where you actually get to take the idea and go into it a little bit more and even turn it and look at it from different ways. That has been my um, frustration, I guess, when we have people that we're talking to on the show or Hannah and I, you, we get into the, a conversation and then we want to be mindful of the length of time we're recording. And so I feel like we're always saying, oh, we need to stop this conversation because we're at the end of our time. And there have been times where we've come back around for a second round on a particular topic or with a certain guest. But I think that there is something to be said of um, let's look at something and really dig at it from all the different angles. And I'm really excited to say that that is our aim here at Persuasion as we head into the fall season. Um, we are going to launch a little bit different of a format where we are going to group our shows into series. And we are so excited that really this show marks the launch of that. And so this is the first episode of this upcoming series. Right. And, and as we thought about the kinds of things that we would want to talk about, the, the different things that we've talked about in the past, one of the things that kept emerging for us was thinking about why did we even start this podcast in the first place? You know, we really tried to get back to our roots, get back to our foundational vision, mission, blah, 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 <laughs> all, insert all of the words that have to do with planning and focus. And what we kept remembering is that we wanted this show to model a certain type of conversation. 
There are so many words right now coming at you from your screens, from uh, your speakers. And what we wanted Persuasion to do was to both give an opportunity for maybe a slightly different perspective on topics, um, to offer up a, a Christian, even feminine perspective, but we also wanted to show what it's like to have good, persuasive conversations instead of frivolous conversations and or even like um, contentious conversations. Mm-hmm. When I think about the conversations that we have here and how they affect the conversations I engage in apart from here, I I am grateful for it because it does push me to think about things and to look at things from different sides um, and to consider new perspectives. But that doesn't mean that all my conversations are just smooth and easy. And I think in many ways, there isn't anything else in my life that can cause me more angst than conversations that look like they're about to go over the edge in a direction that I don't want them to go. That I think that there's something about communicating and having good conversation. There's a risk there. Um, And We've all been in conversations that don't go well. This is a, a real problem. And and to be able to have a place where we can start to think through, how would I say that? Or here's this hot topic. Here's this, this dire situation going on in the world, in our society. How do we talk about that in a way that um, moves the conversation forward and creates a space for greater understanding and growth and change? That's hard. And so I really have come to to depend on these conversations to help me, almost coach me through giving me words and ideas, how to express them a little bit better. Right. And with all of that in mind, we are happy to announce to you listeners that the series for this fall will be talking about talk. We're going to spend the next seven weeks focusing on our conversations, um, how we have them, the types of conversations we have. We're going to talk about the importance of having them, why we need to make space for conversations in a world that is so noisy. I mean, why put more words out there? What's the value of them? We're also going to talk about the conversations we have in our homes and and why something like the conversation around the dinner table is vital to learning how to have conversation out in the world around us. Um, We're going to talk about small talk. Like, I hate small talk, (laughs) but apparently people tell me that it's important and I'm we're going to press into that and figure out why and what, what are we accomplishing with these smaller bits of conversation. So I am really looking forward to the next seven weeks where each episode is going to focus on the kinds of conversations we have, the language we use, where we're talking, how we're talking, and hopefully at the end we'll come out with maybe some clarity and maybe even a little more um, skill. Mm-hmm. in order to be able to speak well into a very chaotic, noisy world. Mm-hmm. The the point that you were making there, Hannah, about um, this need to maybe have some skill and, and to enhance our ability to have these conversations, it to me, that's it exactly, that just as much as 
conversation or my fear of certain conversations can make me feel very anxious. I think it's the practicing of that and moving into that space that will will help um, rather than running and avoiding and and our ability to find a way to engage in these conversations and to think through topics and ideas and to be willing to hear ideas that are opposite of your own. All of that goes into the the need for good conversation and practicing the conversation because they're they're risky like i said there there's a chance there that your conversations are going to go sideways which happens a lot right and and the kind of risk and anxiety that you bring up this is what convinced me this was necessary for us to talk about because here's here's where we are as a culture um of all people who should not be afraid of talking it's me i have never <laughs> had a problem with getting my words out. Now, my mom says that when I was young, I didn't articulate my words very well. Like I was talking really young, but nobody understood what I was saying. But I've been just a chatterbox my whole life. Whenever anybody would listen to the ideas that were in my head, I would give them to them. And and I also never had this like social sense, like maybe you should stop talking now. <laughs> so it takes a lot it takes a lot to get through to me or to even influence my emotions about, oh, I want to be quiet now. So having said that, I have recognized within myself that I am increasingly less motivated to engage with people. Mm. Like the stakes are so high mm-hmm. online, um, the level of tension, and when someone puts something on social media, it used to be I'd be like, oh, well, let me tell you, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And whether that was good or not, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of growth that I needed to go through. What I've noticed is that a person who was never anxious about speaking up, I'm becoming increasingly sensitive and anxious about how to speak to other people. And so I just don't, like I'm stopping, I'm seeing this resistance from engaging with people. Um, and, and I think, you know, some of that may be maturity, let's hope. But I think <laughs> it's actually symptomatic of a larger context where we've reached kind of a tipping point in the mm-hmm. digital age where there's just so many words and people are so often uh, misunderstood and we're ready to misunderstand other people that you throw up your hands and you say, what's the point? Yeah. Why even try? And if I've reached that point, we know there's a problem. (laughs) We know there's a problem. I think that dual um, tension there is true for me. The, the concern that I will be misunderstood, but then also I'm so ready to misunderstand or to miscategorize someone else. So those two things work together to cause me to um, approach a conversation in a certain way that's probably unhealthy and not helpful, but then to pull back from conversation and to say, eh, I'm just not going to bother. I don't, I don't have a drive to dig into the latest debates 
um, like I did. I, I'm not a conflict. Um, I, I don't run toward conflict. I run way far away from conflict generally. But there are ways to engage with things online that allow you to process things and feel like you're in it, but not all the way sunken deep. But now I see them happening and I... I just feel like I don't have the emotional bandwidth and I don't want to do it. But the sad thing is I'm finding the same thing to be true in my personal relationships where if the the latest discussion comes up where it's something that's the causing a lot of unrest, maybe it's a social issue, people start the conversation and I just think, oh, I don't know if I have it in me. And then I, I right. try to find a way to back off instead of engaging. Right. And we say- and we say, this is how we do it in our personal life. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I it's mean, just like easier. we literally say, this is uncomfortable, whatever it is. Yep. Let, let's talk about something else where I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. And, and I think there is definitely a cultural element to this. I also think that there's a disposition, at least in American culture, that talk is cheap. Mm-hmm. And I think it's become even more cheapened by how much is available. So if you think in terms of a marketplace and supply and demand, um, we have 24-hour news. We have social media. We have, um, you know, YouTube. We have <laughs> podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so the supply of talk is so large that the value of it is cheapened in a lot of ways. And so I think we're also fighting against this sense that, you know, actions speak louder than words and mm-hmm. talk is cheap. And while I think there's a, there is an element of truth to that, I also know that God used words to bring the world into existence. And, and I know that the scripture comes to us through words. And that Christ is called the living word of God. And so I'm not ready to give up on words yet. I'm I'm not not ready to give up on talk. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel like we're in a place where we need to recover some emotional stability Mm -hmm. around our conversations. Mm -hmm. And I think we also need to remember why words are valuable. Mm Mm-hmm. By elevating, or I guess not elevating, by remembering the value of words and remembering the power of words, the two things that you've you've just summarized there, I think that it gives us a place to start, even as we think of our own conversations. The words that someone else is offering to us are coming from a deep place from really a mysterious place because we can't know someone's heart in full. And if we think of conversation and words as carrying this treasure and this mystery to be explored and to honor and to learn from, I think that that gives us a a different way of engaging. Um, Maybe it makes it a little bit more enjoyable where we are looking at it as digging in deeper, like, oh, why did you say that? What does that mean? How did you get to that point? I don't feel like there are good exploratory questions that are being asked um, in -hmm. conversation where we're just taking your words as you just gave these to me and that's all you think. 
and I don't like it. So I don't want to know why you got to that point. So right. I think we need that sort of skills training too, where we aren't looking at just the first gift of these words, but saying, okay, where did these come from? And what does this mean? And why did you say that? Um, that sort of conversation takes time and effort. It's not the 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 tweet that just takes two seconds to to punch right. in. And, and that is really how the scripture uses words and language as revelation. So in presenting Jesus Christ as the word of God, he is the revelation of God. He is what tells us, um, he is who tells us what God is like and what God's heart is toward us. And I do think we tend to use people's words or statements as, um, I don't know, maybe weapons against them sometimes. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. we want to parse their words and we want to pin them down with these words. And you said this. Mm-hmm. And we forget that the goal is the revelation of the person. Yeah. That the goal is the knowledge and the communion that can come from using our words to understand each other better. Um, and, and it's fascinating to me that you know, the scripture talks about the power of words, but we usually only pick up on the negative power of words. So, you know, James talks about the fact that the tongue can cannot be tamed. Who can tame the tongue? You know, it is, it is this fire. It is this rudder. It is the bit in the horse's bridle. But, but in the Old Testament, it talks about life and death being in the power of the tongue. Mm. That life can come from our words. Mm-hmm. And so we we do tend to take this negative perspective of uh, words are dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so we have to be really, really careful with them. But that's not what scripture says. It says words are powerful. Mm-hmm. And because they're powerful, we can also leverage them for good. Mm-hmm. We can leverage them for life. And one of the things I think that I've had to recover in my own thinking in an informational age in a time where so many words are coming at me, a lot of those words are bad words in the sense that they are destructive and they tear down and they promote falsehood. But the the way to push back against that is not simply to cut off words. Right. It's to take good words and and to create a culture of goodness through our words that pushes back the ways that words have been used to destroy. I think that is spot on because there there is research that I have been digging into for um, some projects that I'm part of with some client work that speaks to how our lack of good in terms of conversation, the lack of it is causing these negative outcomes. And so what I appreciate what I appreciate about that is it's saying that by investing the good of the conversation by by 
noticing or recognizing the power for good in our words and in conversation and in relationship, we actually change things. So some of this research that I came across, I had two things that I thought would be really interesting. Um, They're saying that with the increase of screen time use, that is decreasing the amount of conversation, the actual conversation, like deep conversation. Oh, no, no, no. I would object to that because with my children... (laughs) Their increased screen time use results in a whole lot of conversation around our house. Does it? (laughs) A different kind of conversation. Different kind of conversation. (laughs) So as our screen time has been increasing, this research is saying that it is actually causing, they're, they're tracking it and saying that these things are parallel, perhaps not exact causal, but they are tracking together that with more screen time and more um, one-on-one with your screen rather than in face-to-face conversation with others, there are higher rates of self-centeredness. So we've all been hearing about narcissism, but they are there are studies that have been tracking over the past 30 years. And they're saying that evidence of narcissism among college students from year to year has increased about 30% over the past 30 years. And likewise, there's been a decrease in our ability to understand and care about other people. So they're saying that they can also track empathy. And they one study has been tracking empathy in school children. And they're saying that that empathy has decreased by 40% in the last 30 years. So what they're saying is that our lack of conversation and having good heart-to-heart connected, meaningful talk is increasing our narcissism, depleting our ability to have empathy for others. And what that's doing is it is eroding the way that we talk to each other. And that's, I think, why you can see so much um, tension in conversation is because we just aren't accustomed to being in conversation that challenges, that um, gives grace to people for where they're at. We we want them to think like us because it's easier and it's quicker. And I think that that is contributing to our our tendency to run away from conversations rather than thinking of them as life-giving. But they are. There there is that power in the words, just like what you were saying. Mm. Yeah. And and I think just anecdotally, we we see this all the time where you log onto your social media and given the algorithms that are in play, you end up only seeing people who already speak and think the same way you Mm -hmm. do. And so it reinforces that kind of group talk. I mean, like literally we use the word talk to describe that kind of isolation and repetition of ideas where there's no true communion going on. Right. There is conformity, but there's not communion and communication. And I think we need to remember that, that, that link between true, um, community only comes through the sharing of ourselves um, and the means we have to share ourselves include words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's scary, to be honest. Um, if, if the only way to have community and connectedness and true belonging is to share who I really am and all the things that I think um, – 
knowing that there are things that are that are good that I think and some things that are not so good that's a scary thing to think that I'm going to mm-hmm. share that and and to know that that's the way forward. It is not mm-hmm. retreating from the potential conflict, but it is digging in and saying, oh, these are my people and I'm going to talk with them about the things that are bothering me, the things that are on my right. mind, the things that concern me, knowing that they will think something completely different. And will I consider that for my own growth, but also for the benefit of the community? Right. And I think that has to be what propels us forward when we're in that space of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, I know when I'm on my social media feed and I see something and it bothers me and I'm (laughs) wrestling with, do I say something? Do I don't say something? What I usually end up, the reason how I make that decision is how much do I care about this person? Is this a person I want in my life? Is this a person that's worth taking the risk for? Mm, Is this a mm -hmm. person I need to clarify this with? Because if I don't, we will become increasingly alienated from each other. Mm -hmm. And we will even begin to um, just not think in the same categories. You know, what's fascinating about words and language is that such a tie to community that there are whole fields of sociolinguistics that the language we use binds us together the words we use create bonds with each other and if we're isolated from people that we love our language can reinforce that isolation or our lack of shared communication mm-hmm. can reinforce the divisions between us and so i I am really, I really struggle with like unfollowing people on Facebook mm-hmm. because I th- I know there's been a lot of contention in politics and in the world. And, and so the temptation is just stay friends with the people, but unfollow them so you don't have to hear their words. Right. You can put up that barrier where you don't right. have and to so deal. What we're saying is, I don't want your words in my life. Mm -hmm. But what that becomes is if your words aren't in my life, you're not in my life. Right. It's both. You have to have those ideas. You have to engage with the person. If I silence your words and mute you, I have essentially muted our relationship. And I don't think we think in those terms. We think in terms of like self-preservation and I just can't handle this right now. Um, But there are people that I really struggle with their words, Mm -hmm. but I have intentionally kept them in my newsfeed. And I will like everything else that I can of their statements just so (laughs) they will stay in my newsfeed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I need those people in my life because they are people that I have a connection with. And if I silence their words, then I'm going to lose that connection. This really comes down to our willingness to nurture relationship with the people who are in our circle, whether that is the the tight circle of family, friends, neighborhood, community, you know, growing out and out church. But then we have these larger circles of relationships with people online, our acquaintances and friends on our social feeds. What type of relationship are we going to nurture with them? Um, and that to me is such a high calling then. It's like we are, we need to see our engagements as building relationship and not just 
downgrading them to, I need you to hear what I have to say because I think I'm right. And right. and to to think of it as relationship building and community um, building, that is a much higher calling. Right. And I think that's what's going to guide us these next few weeks is we're not talking about talking for the sake of talking. <laughs> we're not talking about words because you and I are both writers and we have the podcast and so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's that we are convinced and convicted that words and healthy communication are a means to an end. They are a means to communion to relationship, um, to health and wholeness with each other. And so I'm really excited about the next few weeks as we kind of turn this topic to different angles Mm -hmm. and try to gain access points from um, different ways about how we use our speech, um, the spaces we talk in, what we're even accomplishing when we go into like a difficult conversation. Like why would we even press into one? Mm -hmm. What is the hope and what is the goal? This is so exciting because typically at this point in the show, I would have to say, oh, we need to stop talking and we are winding down because that's all the time we have. But I feel like I'm already excited knowing that we have topics and and ideas slated for the next discussion. And so I feel like we're just going to put this on pause almost. And so this makes me so happy that... Oh, we're so the keep best talking. is yet to come. That's right. The best is yet to come. And I will give everyone a sneak peek right now. So next episode, we are going to focus on table talk. We're going to talk about the conversations that form out of our most intimate relationships in our families and how those things not only shape us, but they also train us and teach us, if done well, how to communicate more broadly with people outside of our homes. I'm so excited about that. Well, as we end this installment, let's call it an installment. As we end this installment, installment, Hannah, do you have a question of the day for us? Yes. If you are with us on Twitter or in the members forum, this is your question of the day. Do you feel like your words matter? That's it. I like it. I mean, it. you can take it a whole hundred different ways. Did, do they matter in your family? Do they matter in the noise of um, the internet? Do they matter in your work? Do you feel and believe that your words actually have power? So join us out on Twitter and keep the conversation going. You can find us at Persuasion CAPC, or if you are a member in the members forum of Christ and Pop Culture. And this is just your friendly reminder that if you aren't a member, you are missing out on some great conversations and great community that come from those conversations. You can become a member for just $5 a month, and that gives you access to the members forum, as well as a whole host of free offerings from books and music. and magazines. And in addition to engaging with us on Twitter and in Christ and Pop Culture member forum, we have a couple of new ways you can connect with us. We have a new website. It's persuasionpodcast.buzz. You can find our show notes. We're going to do some follow-up um, afterthoughts on different episodes. We'll have other sorts of resources there. So you can find us at persuasionpodcast.buzz. We're also on Instagram and on Facebook now, too. So all of our social handles are Persuasion C-A-P-C. You can find us on all those platforms, and we would love to connect with you there. 
We do want to say a big thanks to Jonathan Clausen. He produces our show and also all the other shows for uh, Christ and Pop Culture. You can give the shows a listen at Christ and Pop Culture. You can go to iTunes, wherever you find us. We would love to have your ratings and your reviews and shares. We would love for more people to know about our show, and that's how you can help. We do appreciate all of you. We look forward to our new series, and we will catch you next time. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson, an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes, and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.